Good morning and welcome to this worship service. I welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to be singing an opening song from number 559 in your hymn book. But before we sing it, I'd like to talk about the meaning of it. Because as I read through it, I thought, wow, I had not noticed that before. It's a big story in just four verses. So the first verse is the one we're most familiar with, and that's the physical harvest of food from the fields. And for those of you who look at the line that says, all is safely gathered in before the winter storms begin, just in case that's not you, it's not all gathered in yet, we'll pray that God will provide for you. The second verse is a spiritual analogy of good and evil people being like wheat and weeds in the same field. The third verse is about God's judgment as sorting and burning. And the fourth verse is God's reward of gathering his people into their heavenly home and a prayer for us to be part of that. So if you're able, please stand and let's sing, Come, ye thankful people, come. there. 
God, we're grateful for how you've made the earth to produce food and provided us as your people with everything we need to do your will. We offer you our praise this morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Our call to worship is from Psalm 96, and I will read the first line, and I invite you to echo or respond with the second line in each verse. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations. His, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Let's give thanks. God, we give you thanks because you are great and most worthy of praise. You are to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but you made the heavens. We worship you, Lord, in the splendor of your holiness. We tremble before you because we know that you are the awesome God. We say among the nations, the Lord reigns, and that you will judge. We acknowledge that not everything in us is good, and you are justified in your judgment. And so we pray that you will renew our hearts, make us pure, make us strong, make us true. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen. God who touches earth with beauty, make my heart anew. With your spirit, recreate. 
make your springs and running waters make me crystal pure like your rocks of towering grandeur make me strong and sure like your dancing waves in sunlight make Psalm 96 reminds us, all creation can rejoice that God judges because God's judgment is done with equity, righteousness, and faithfulness. And we know that in Jesus Christ, there is also mercy along with judgment for those who trust him. God is so good. scripture reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 22, the first 19 verses of Genesis chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, 
Here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moroah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show to you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he car himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do it. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your own son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught up by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make, and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of, of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they all set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Please bow with me now to dismiss little ones to Children's Church. Dear God, we thank you very much for the little ones of our church. We pray that the ones that are feeling ill this morning feel better, and their parents as well. And we pray that the ones that are here, as they are in Children's Church, have a good time, that they learn new things about you, are blessed because of who you are in their lives. And we pray, be with the teachers as well, give them the words to say, give them the patience to teach it, and bless them in what they do. And now we pray a blessing on our service today. We pray all these things in your name, Lord. Amen.
This morning, we have an absolutely wonderful privilege. As we all know, not too long ago, uh, Evelyn Rogers was on a prayer missions trip to Paraguay, and today she has agreed to share her experiences. We're going to start with a video, and then she has a few words as well. There you had a brief picture of what we did, but what... Why did we do this? Well, a prayer team is a group that is sent to some of our mission fields to encourage the missionaries and pray over the work uh, that they're doing so that the work of the Holy Spirit in that, is in that location because this is not a battle, uh, a human battle. This is a battle against unseen forces. Why can't we just pray for them here at home? Aren't we wasting our money going there? By going there, we see the difficulties they are working with and can better pray for them. They were so encouraged with our visits. We also could see how the Spirit is at work and see the results of the prayers and their efforts. One Paraguayan leader remarked that there was always more fruit after a prayer team had been there. One encouraging thing I saw was how some of the young adults who the missionaries had discipled over the years we're now taking leadership and are so excited and have such vision of what they want to see happening in their country. Our prayers will be a catalyst to spur the movement that is happening. In February, when Travis and Rosie were here, Travis mentioned about organizing a prayer team and I felt a nudge to go. Christine was there and she encouraged me to go. Rosie was so encouraged that there was somebody from our church there. I didn't have a passport, and how was I going to go? The lineups were so long to get one. So I prayed, and I said, Lord, if you want me to go, then I will get the passport in time. Well, I did get it a week before we went, and so I thought that was what I was supposed to do. But I guess I still had some doubts. And so one day while I was driving along one of these country roads around here, it just seemed as if the Lord said, well, I called Moses when he was 80 years old. In other words, you can go. I didn't know how I'd do about all this, but the Lord has sustained me and helped me. The two weeks in Paraguay were so good. We saw many of the ministries that you saw on the video here. EMC had started years ago, and now energetic young Paraguayans are in charge, and EMC has pulled back from some of those ministries. Travis and Rosie's place is different. It's a very poor area, and they're not ready for something like that yet. The country now has more religious freedom than we, have, than we do. The schools are wide open for the missionaries, and, Christian, and the Christian Paraguayans and the missionaries are going in to teach Christian ethics and Christianity. And they see the need that this is, they see that this is what we need. The need is great, just like here. I don't know the numbers for Canada, but over there, 70% of the people live, are uh, single-parent homes, and alcohol and uh, drugs are rampant. Local Christian leadership is leading in evangelism. The Friday after we left, Travis was taking a busload of, he had 59 people that went to an evangelistic crusade with the Spanish evangelist. And at the camp that we were visiting, they were planning an evangelistic outreach 
with a Spanish singer. They, were, they said they had 10,000 people signed up that were gonna come. Well, what happened after we left, they had a whole week of rain and the roads leading up to the camp was all mud. So they didn't know where people were going to even come. They ended up with 5,000. And, and they had a, uh, even though it was raining a bit, they, people were determined to come. There's many stories that I could tell you, but I'll just share a few of what, uh, what has happened. We saw the ministry uh, to the AIDS people in Ascension. AIDS is very rampant there, but it can be controlled if people would take their medicines, which many of them don't. And then when they come to the city, they need a place. They have, long, they have a long way to travel, some of them, and they have no place to stay and have big needs. So they drop in is what uh, helps these people there. And another thing we need to remember is that when people have HIV over there and people know about it, they're shunned. And so was, uh, they, that makes it harder for them. So at the drop-in, they do have uh, uh, supplies for them, and also they have Bible study. In Travis and Rosie's place, we saw some of the things that we're doing. I'd just like to share the one story of the one lady that we went to visit, that my group went to visit. She had a fa they had a family of about five or six kids, and when their 17-year-old son was killed in a car accident, the husband couldn't handle it, and he started drinking. It was so bad that he left home, and now she was living there with three of her grown-up sons who were working, but they were into drinking and carrying on. And so one day, just a while before we came, he had come, come home drunk and just destroyed almost everything in the house with his machete. But she had such faith and was willing to pray for them and for her son's girlfriend, who was having big nightmares. As she prayed for her, the nightmare disappeared. And it just to see her courage in the face of what she's facing was an inspiration for me. On Sunday, we were in their church and some of us gave our testimonies and we saw Angela had, and her girls had the Sunday school. And what really impressed me was, sometimes you think, well, why are the kids going along? But the cruise kids really connected with Travis and Rosie's kids. And it was so special for those kids to have visitors as well as the adults. And so they had a really, it was really special for them. And uh, we also visited uh, some of the ch churches that were, uh, there where local pastors were discouraged and needed some en encouragement. And then the Camp Rama that where, this, where they had this evangelistic outreach is only two years old. And it, the, the people there are just really getting behind it. They've built a dormitory space for 200 kids already, a big dining room that you saw in the pictures, and we're now in the process of building a chapel. This camp is also the base for that ministry that we go into the schools to teach, and also the, uh, a Christian band that practices there and plays in, in the country. They're number two band in the country right now. The leadership is very enthused about this ministry, and Travis and Rosie are there for the summer. And then we saw the ministries that we saw, George and I saw back in 2003 at Trees Palmas and, and St. Teresa. And what I couldn't believe was happening because when we were at St. Teresa, there was one lady that was working there. She said she remembered me from then, which was kind of, kind of funny, I thought. 
And then we also saw Ravita's brother is involved in a rehabilitation center for alcoholics. And we were there. We had a visit with David and Melanie Schmidt. And we visited uh, a few others. People were excited to have us come. And so how important is this prayer in, 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 in the life of the church and in, the per, in our personal lives? As I see it, it's the base foundation of everything I do. And in the church, it, must, it is a must for each ministry. It is only as we pray that the Holy Spirit can work in hearts and bring about changes. The missionaries work in areas where the gospel isn't known, and the only way their work will see fruit is by praying. They count on us to pray for them and uphold us. This is a spiritual battle, and must be, and the prayer is the weapon that we use. Coming back, I've asked, why are we not going out as a prayer team here in Canada? There's so many communities around here where there is no gospel witness. I want the Lord to work. If we want the Lord to work, we must be willing to spend that time praying. I want to be faithful in praying as the Lord leads me, and I'm thankful for this opportunity that I had, and I'm thanking you all for praying for me and making this possible for me. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you, Evelyn. It's interesting to hear what is going on in different places from a, from a first-hand point of view. That's, that's really great. Um, next Sunday, the 23rd, is our church Thanksgiving celebration. Please come. Um, invite your friends and neighbors. We are preparing food for 110 to 120 people, which is more than are sitting here right now, so you'll need to do your part to, for us to get that all consumed. Um, I, I have heard some, um, some questions about what, what else will be going on other than eating a lot of good food, and so that leads me to letting the cat out of the bag on a project that, uh, that I've kind of been puttering away on for some time which is that um, in, our, in our worship services and the, the general functions of our church, we have, we have space for music, and we, we do a variety of kinds of music, but there's, there's, there's always a bunch of itches that aren't getting scratched, and um, you know, there, there are just for time and other reasons, and it would be interesting to scratch some of those itches, and so we're gonna try out a little project that will involve a once per month uh, event at the church um, called M Music in the Church. And one of them will be quiet music in the church. We're gonna have our first quiet music in the church uh, next weekend, uh, acoustic instruments and voices. You're going to hear some people play and sing whose voices you may not have heard ever in our congregation before, but will be a pleasant surprise. Um, the second one will be loud music in the church. We, we don't do hip-hop, we don't do heavy music, we don't do rock, just kind of stuff that would have a volume level that might make you want to bring your earplugs and will have enough bass to kind of make your chest thump. Um, it's not a thing that we do in our worship services and there is an itch to scratch there. And we have a guy putting together a band for loud music in church. Um, which is going to happen possibly, or we're, we have it penciled in for the evening of November 20th, Sunday evening. Um, a band of, of players from, from all around the community, not, from, not all from, from our congregation. Uh, and then the third one is choral music in the church. We, uh, we haven't had a choir in some time, and 
to, to sing, sing hymns in harmony together is, is also an itch that we don't often scratch recently. Uh, and so December will be choral music in the church, and you can expect that it will be a lot of Christmas, Christmas carol singing. We also have a person lined up who has not, to my knowledge, ever played music in this church before and is lining up for something on the, for, for choral music in church uh, in December. So um, you can keep your eye out for what's going on. Our first one, Quiet Music in the Church, Acoustic Instruments and Voices, uh, will be happening after the after the Thanksgiving meal next, uh, next Sunday. And then you can expect loud music in church on the 20th of November and choral music in church um, sometime mid to late December. And then we'll start again and keep on rotating and see where it goes. Hope you come. Then if you have your bulletins on you, now's the time to take them out. And we see readily a pile of things on there. Uh, we see the prayer meeting next 7 p.m. As we heard Evelyn say before, that prayer, that prayer for what we do, that prayer for what the church does for our community and for the whole country, that's important. So join me at 7 p.m. at the prayer meeting. Uh, then next Thursday at 7.30 p.m., the teen Bible study at Dawson and Bethany's. And so if you have any teen girls that are looking for a Bible study, send them along to that. Next Sunday, 9.45 a.m., uh, Sunday School, 10.45 a.m., worship service. We have a guest speaker coming next Sunday. His name is Matt Giesbrecht. He is speaking on behalf of Voice of the Martyrs, and so that will be a good uh, Sunday as well. 10.45 a.m., next worship service, Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, and then 5.30, uh, the Thanksgiving Supper. As you heard, there is going to be a wonderful uh, musical, uh, soft music being played. Uh, invite your friends. There is more than enough food to go around. Then, skipping down, volunteers are still needed for Kids Connect. Uh, we are planning to start October 26 for grades 3 to 6. Contact Christine Murray if you want to sign up for that. Um, also, make sure to keep them in your prayers over the next two weeks. Uh, before they start up. We want to particularly get that in our prayers right now so everything is in place before they get to go. November 13th after that, Senior Celebration is coming back after three years off. It is being held at the Sommerfeld Church. Rhineland is on deck uh, to provide everything else. Uh, November 19th, uh, YFC Fundraising Banquet. Uh, you heard Dawson share about that a couple weeks back. Uh, but keep an eye out for more information coming on that. Uh, also, your weekly emails, I'm pretty sure there is already a time for that as well. Volunteers are needed to plan the adult Christmas social. Contact Diana for that. That has always been a wonderful time for all of us in the past. So if you are interested in planning that, get in touch with Diana. And apart from that, October 30th, so that is two weeks from now. We are going to have a deacon installation service for Gordon Christine. Come out and show her your support. That'll just be uh, the Sunday morning service, October 30th. Any more uh, items for announcement? More details on YFC, I'm betting. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I just want to add detail to that. Uh, the registration or sign up for the banquet is live right now. So you can just go to the... Porridge YFC website, or you can call their office. 
um, on that email that was sent out, there should be a link in there, I think. You can click on that and you can register online if you'd like. So we'll try to do that all online or through Portage YFC's office because I am still in the field. And if you call me or text me, I may or may not get back to you. So we'll try through Portage YFC's website just to make sure that's a little simpler. So you can get your spot reserved already and there will be limited spots. So if you want to jump on that, go right ahead. Thanks. All right. Any more announcements? All right, so then looking at the items for prayer. We want to keep the municipal elections in our prayers. That is also going to be on October 26, two weeks from now. Uh, we want to pray that the right uh, candidates are the ones that are elected, uh, and we just want to pray for them in general, as we always want to pray for our town leaders uh, every time another election comes around and during between the periods as well. Uh, then we want to pray for Kids Connect starting October 26th. We want to pray for the Thanksgiving supper, that it is well attended and that it is a good time, an edifying time for all of us. And we want to pray for uh, the work that the prayer team uh, that Evelyn was on, that the work that they did, that it continues to yield fruit into the years to come. And so, please bow with me now in prayer. Dear God, we come before you now first off in praise. Lord, we thank you so much for the day that is around us, for the bright sunshine, and for all of the many ways we have seen you working in our lives and in the world over the past week and the past few weeks as well. Each of us has at least one moment of seeing you, God, if we reflect on it, and we thank you so much for those. And we pray that as the weeks go by as well and we start up different things that are all about building your kingdom here in town, Lord. We pray that we will see you working in them clear as day. Lord, we want to pray first off for Kids Connect that is coming up very soon. We want to thank you so very much for all of the ways that we have seen Christine, seen Annette, seen everybody else that has volunteered so far, all of the work that they have done to get that off the ground. And God, we pray that everything else that is needed in order to get that last little bit before they start on October 26th, we pray that that falls into the place that it needs to fall into. But God, we thank you for the work that they have done, and we look forward to seeing how you will work through that program to build your kingdom here in McGregor, to build your church here in McGregor. We look forward to seeing that. And God, we also want to thank you for the Thanksgiving supper coming up. We want to thank you for all of the people that have already signed up to help prepare the food, prepare to clean, and to get things ready for the day. We thank you for each and every one of them. We pray that whatever spots are left are also filled, but then when the night comes, Lord, we pray that it will be a wonderful night of thanking and praising you. God, we look forward to it, and we want to pray a blessing on all of the musicians that will play as well. We want to say thank you for all of our friends who will come. We want to say thank you for everyone in attendance, Lord. We look forward to tomorrow, next Sunday night. And God, we also want to pray for the work that the prayer team has done in Paraguay about a month ago now. 
God, we thank you for what Evelyn has shared with us this morning, and we thank you for the ways that we have seen you work already. 5,000 people at that event. God, it knocks our socks off. God, we pray that the work that they have done will continue to bear fruit. Lord, we pray that the people that feel you tapping on their shoulders because of the prayer team's prayers, they find their way to you. We pray that all of the pastors there, all of the missionaries there, all of the ministers there, the deacons there, everyone involved in the churches and the HIV ministry and the radio ministry and everything else, God, we pray that they will absolutely have what it is they need to just run now because of prayer. Lord, we pray that they continue to. Lord, we pray that we will see wonderful, wonderful things come from that mission. And we pray a blessing on each and every one of the people that went on it as well. And God, I also want to echo Evelyn's prayers for our country as well. Lord, please help our country to be a nation of prayer a nation of your church, a nation where your kingdom is built all around us. And Lord, finally, we want to pray for the municipal election coming up. We want to thank you for all of the people that have decided to run, that have seen the importance of that. God, we want to pray a blessing on them as they are now in the most tiring part of the campaign in the last week and a half. God, we pray that... The ones meant to be elected will be the ones that are. And that whatever the case, as we look back on this time, in a couple years' time, we will be able to see how you used the counselors and the mayor that are elected. And God, we also want to pray that whoever it is that it is elected, that there will be a wonderful working relation between them and the town office as well. God. We pray that the next four years will be a time that see our community in new ways that we didn't think possible before. Lord, all of these things we put before you this morning, and all of them we place at your feet. We pray this in your name. Amen. And today we return once again to our series on what it means to live in faithfulness to God, uh, to live in trust and reliance on God, and how living in that way calls us to work to build our relationships with the Lord, build our relationships with other people, build our relationships with all the rest of creation as well. That's what we have been talking about over the last two weeks. And today, we turn to another Bible story that will further flesh out what it means to live in faithfulness that of Abraham and the binding of Isaac, found in Genesis 22. Genesis 22, verses 1 to 19. And this is a Bible story that I dare say that we often have a fair amount of trouble with these days. And I say that for two reasons. The first one is that I'm going to admit, I'm, I'm going out on a ledge here. This is just my own assumption. But I'm betting that just as a people, we are not particularly big fans of child sacrifice anymore. That's a daring stance, I know. But at the same time, 
That impacts how we read this passage. And the second reason, and likely the bigger reason, is because when we read it, it does kind of cast God in a light that we are uncomfortable with. He seems very odd to us when we read this passage. But to set the stage, let's talk about Abraham and his relationship with God. For Abraham was a man who started his walk with the Lord many decades before our, our story today begins, and a completely different part of the world to boot. Abraham is from one of the high fluting parts of society. It's called Ur in the Chaldeans. It was one of the great centers of civilization of his time. It's a real New York of its time, a real Tokyo of 1985 of its time. And Abraham and his family, they were pretty well off there to boot. They had servants. They had cattle for days. And then one day, God comes to Abraham, and he tells him, pack it all up. You're going to the land of Canaan, which at that time was about as backwater as backwater can be. But Abraham listens. And even though he didn't really know this God to any extent at that point. From where he was from, when a God asked you to do something, that meant you listened. So off he went. But then something really odd happened. Because he listened to the Lord, God in return promised Abraham that he would bless him for his faithfulness. He promises him that his descendants would be more numerous than the stars. And I say that was odd because for Abraham to hear God say that, that was an odd thing. In his culture, it wasn't terribly out of place that if you listen to a God, then maybe the God would maybe cast some good luck your way or something like that, but to have something so very big, to have something so very important, so very long-lasting and beneficial, as I will make your descendants more numerous than the stars, that was an odd thing for a God at that time to promise. But then the years go by, and Abraham has no kids which kind of calls into question these promises of God. And so his wife, Sarah, who is absolutely one of my favorite characters in the Bible, very dynamic, very compelling, if you're ever looking for a place to read. But she begins to doubt how this God was going to follow through on his promises to them, to which Abraham has another run-in with the Lord again. You and your descendants will be my people, and I will be your God, the Lord tells Abraham. And then he proceeds to do something that isn't just a little odd. He proceeds to do something that is very, very odd indeed. God makes a covenant with Abraham to show that what he was speaking, that had weight to it, that had truth to it. Because in those days, people made covenants with the gods all the time. They made deals that were breakable on pain of death. That was kind of neither here nor there. But for a god to do that to a person, that was really odd. But then at the tender age of 100, Abraham and Sarah have a son. 
and they name him Isaac. And so it was that God kept his promise to Abraham. Now having steamrolled through some fairly significant chapters of Genesis, we arrive at our passage today. Abraham, God calls. Take your son Isaac, whom you love. And boy, is that a thing for God to say here, huh? You can already see here why people today often don't know what to do with this passage. Because Isaac is the son that Abraham has waited just decades for. And speaking from some experience as to what it is to want a child for years and years and for that child just to not come, when God says that Abraham loves Isaac, that means something really big. It's a love that can really take you over. It's, it's a love that makes you wake up multiple times a night and when you can't hear them makes you go over there just because your mind runs. It's a love that can become rather unhealthy at times make you completely fearful of what you will lose. But take your son, Isaac, whom you love, God tells Abraham, and then go to the region of Moriah, the mountain of Moriah. And I checked, that's not the one where the Balrog lives. But instead, this Moriah is a place that we all know from a different name. Go to Moriah, God says to Abraham. And there, I want you to sacrifice your son. When we spend time in our Bibles, I think there's this temptation that comes to read them like textbooks, to read them with our voices just unwavering, everything clinical, thus saith the Lord. When you read your Bibles, don't do that. Scripture is meant to impact you. You will miss out on a lot of what is being said if you don't let it. If you don't feel this passage like a hook in your gut, you are not reading this passage right. Take who you love, God tells Abraham, and then sacrifice him to me. I wonder we don't know what to do with this passage. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like the God that we know. That doesn't sound like the God that we worship every Sunday morning and in the days in between. It doesn't sound like the God that so loved the world that he sent his son to die. But notice how Abraham then responds. That's almost more chilling yet. Does he get angry? Do we see him obviously sad? Do we see him react at all? No. All that happens is the next morning he takes his son and two servants and he sets out to Moria. And then we next see them there. They spend time collecting wood for the fire. Then when it comes time to do the final leg of the journey, and Abraham, he tells his servants to stay back. And he and Isaac continue on together. 
kindling rope, knife, fire in hand, we are told. And in this order to his servants, I do think that we begin to get a bit of a feel that there is turmoil here. Abraham cannot take having them come to help him, though there are very heavy things to be carried. Stay behind this man who is over a hundred years old tells his servants, even though there are heavy things to schlep up a mountain. I don't think he can stand to have anyone else be there to see what he's about to do. And then as Abraham and Isaac head up the hill alone, for the first time you hear the boy speak. Father, yes, my son, where is the animal? God is the God of Abraham. God is the God of his descendants. God is the God of Isaac. And David and Abraham doesn't have it in him to tell his son what is going to be asked of him in just a little bit. Now I joked before that one of the reasons this passage is a difficult one for us today is because we are from a world that is not pro-child sacrifice. But here's an important thing to remember when you read this passage. Abraham is from a world that is pro-child sacrifice. From that same land that Abraham came from, Ur of the Chaldeans, that was a pretty common thing there. In Canaan, the land Abraham was now in, plenty of records of child sacrifice from there. Same from the empire of the Hittites, who throughout Abraham's story, he has some awkward and somewhat hilarious interactions with. Same with the ancient Egyptians, who he deals with as well. In those days, children were the only ones to take care of you when you were old. Children were the ones who you handed over what you built with your life. They were your love. They were your entertainment around the campfire at night. They were your safety net. They were your legacy. And so they were also the thing that the gods of that time often demanded of their followers to show just how devoted they actually were. So for all of the parents at that time, that fear of having this asked of you, that was there. That didn't go away. Isaac carries the wood up the mountain, we read. He is not young. There is a popular reading of this passage that says that Abraham goes through with all that he does with such faith that God will change his mind that he doesn't need to feel anything. He knows that it'll all be okay, but that's, that's not a great reading of this passage. From what the world of Abraham was like, 
that a God would ask this of him, even this God who is in a covenant with him, why would Abraham think that that ask is odd at all? Even though he only had this one son, God had provided him with this son before, well past the point where he should have ever had kids. We saw that Abraham didn't react when God told him that he was to sacrifice his own son. I suspect that is because he, being a man of the world, knew what it was that the gods often asked of their people. The possibility that this would be asked of him for someone who undoubtedly held the fear of losing his long-awaited son already, this this would have been a fear that Abraham had from the moment of Isaac's birth. Where is the animal to be sacrificed, Isaac asks. God will provide. Then as they reach the summit, Abraham binds his son. Notice that we don't see Isaac putting up a struggle here. Isaac's from that same world that his father is. By this point, Isaac knew what was going on. This is what the gods of that time demanded of their followers, because this is what the gods were like. So why should this god, even as odd as he has been in the past, why should he be any different? There's no mention of a blindfold. And so the kindling is sit. Isaac, fully aware of what God is asking for him, is resigned and the knife is steadied. And it's just then when the knife plunges that Abraham sees just how odd this God of ours truly is. The story of the binding of Isaac is a story of relying and trusting on God to a degree that you just don't find many other places in the Bible. Save for in the death of Jesus Christ himself on Calvary, which just so happens, is only a few miles away from where the story of Abraham and Isaac happens. Moriah is a different name than we usually give that mountain, but that's where the temple of the Lord would be built by Solomon. Where Abraham and Isaac are now is the foundations of holy Jerusalem, the place of the resurrection, the place where the Holy Spirit comes on the apostles, the place where the church would begin also in an act of living in great faithfulness. What a story for a later day. The story of the binding of Isaac is a story of great faithfulness, as I read it for at least three reasons. It's a story of great faithfulness, first off, for the act of Abraham. Abraham is asked to do something by God that wouldn't have been out of place in the slightest at that time. 
And there is nothing harder that could have been asked of Abraham to do. Yet Abraham goes through with it all the same. Because after a lifetime of experiences with this odd God that he has been following, he has learned to follow as he is led. And that he shows that his trust and reliance on God is complete. It's scary to us, but the world of Abraham is a terrifyingly different one. The story of the binding of Isaac is also a story of great faithfulness because of Isaac. God is the God of Isaac too. And here God asks an awful lot of them. Abraham was old. Isaac could have took down took off down the mountain. I don't think that would have been too hard of a thing to do. You ever met somebody that was over 100? It's not that hard to outrun them. But God asked the sacrifice of Isaac, and Isaac listened. But also in this story is the great faithfulness shown by God to his people. Though they were few in number at this point, two. We may not like the way that our Lord teaches this lesson to Abraham. It's cruel to us, but culturally fitting there. But it sticks with us all these years later, so we kind of have to give it that. From the story of the binding of Isaac, we learn this. Between the Mesopotamians, the Hittites, the Canaanites, and the Egyptians, there are many gods that the people of that time followed. Many gods offering a better life to their followers, many gods offering their own kind of salvation. We're not talking just many. We're talking countless different gods that the people of that time dedicated their lives to. In our passage, we then see God call Abraham to perform an act of faith that, while terrible, is exactly the same kind of thing that many of these other gods would have called their people to do as well. But then, right when Abraham and Isaac show beyond a shadow of a doubt that they have complete faith in their Lord, right when, if done for any of the other gods, Isaac would have died. That is when our God shows that in following him with that same level of faithfulness, following him with your all, far from finding the death that everyone else promises. In our God, there is something else entirely. In this passage, God shows himself to be truly odd amongst the gods of that world. Truly odd in all the best ways. Where with the other gods, there is death. With our God, there was unexpected life. 
where with all the others there is the selfish wants of the asker, of the gods, telling their followers to sacrifice what matters the most to them, and maybe they'll help. Here not only is that same level of sacrifice, that same level of dedication, that same level of faithfulness met with happiness, but as we see over the rest of the passage, it's met with blessing as well. While by following all the other gods of the time, there is pain and loss, by living in complete faithfulness to our Lord instead, Abraham and his family have a future. A future that would go on to be the nation of Israel, that would go on to reach the nations for the Lord, would go on to see Christ, would go on to see the church, would go on to see things change. When God asks this sacrifice of Abraham, how it ends is with God making a sacrifice for us instead. There is a future where there is hope if you follow the Lord. And as the worship of our Lord takes over the region and the worship of the other gods falls away over the course of the Old Testament and then beyond, we get to the point where eventually, like today, child sacrifice is so foreign to us that it seems absolutely horrific and barbaric. By following our Lord, things change. And of the messages to take from this passage today about what it means to live in faithfulness, I think what we see in God from this passage, that's a big one. To live in faithfulness to our God, to live in complete trust and reliance on him as Abraham and Isaac do. To work with what we are to build up that relationship that we have with God to the best of our abilities and with God's help. Through that, the kingdom is built. Through that, there is hope. Through that, there is a future, a future that doesn't tear us and doesn't tear the world around us down. Through that, there is a future that makes things better. And in the world we live in today, where there are still thousands of voices all claiming that they have the way to salvation instead, countless voices who all say, if we only follow them and sacrifice our proverbial firstborn children to show that we're committed to them, and of course, send 1995 to the address flashing on screen. They deliver mixed results at best. Or more likely than not, division, hatred, and death. There are many good causes that help that we can be on board with for certain, 
beware of those who offer salvation. But there is only one way, only one gospel, only one God that has proven himself for thousands of years to actually deliver that salvation that all the others promise and always fall short of. There's only one God who, if we devote ourselves to him, will actually use our effort to heal, to lift, and to benefit us, as well as the world around us, to heal what is broken, to set right that which we have seen last week is fallen. This is what living in faithfulness brings us if we choose to live in faithfulness to God instead of whatever or whoever else may ask that commitment from us instead. It shows both us and the world that there is a way for things to get better, that there is a way of life, that there is a way of hope. And that way is our Lord. But our passage ends with Isaac being lifted from the pyre, unbound. And just as Abraham said back when he thought that his words meant a very different thing, the Lord provides a sacrifice, this time a ram. And around 1,500 years later, all of a handful of miles away from where the father and son now stand, providing his own son, Jesus Christ, as well, to die for our sins, to be that that crosses between us and the Lord so we can know his face again for all time. Through living in faithfulness to our God, there is life to be found instead of death. By building that relationship between us and him, there is a new world to be built and a true way to salvation that can be discovered. By living in faithfulness to God, there is the singular hope that only this very odd Lord of ours brings. We learn that from the story of the binding of Isaac. Amen. Let's respond with number 563. Count your blessings. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings. See what God has done. 
ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly. And you will be singing as the days go by. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. When you look at others with their lands and gold, think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings money cannot buy, your reward in heaven and your home on high. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. And for our benediction today, we turn to the book of Numbers. May God bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his face and bring you peace. Go now and serve our God. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done.